The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I think we're going to have a great show today. We've got two very interesting guests, uh, one that's going to join a unique fraternity in racing, and that is young Travis Stone. If you haven't heard already, he has been the new announcer. He has been anointed by the authorities at Churchill Downs to join an elite fraternity of track announcers that include Gene Schmidt, Chick Anderson, Mike Battaglia, Kurt Becker, my friend Luke Kreitbosch, Mark Johnson, and Larry Colness. So we're going to learn about uh, Travis Stone, uh, find out perhaps what the vetting process was to get the job. I know there are a lot of guys losing sleep hoping they might be at that microphone on the first Saturday in May. But Travis Stone is the man that will be in the booth at Churchill Downs. And then from there, uh, we're going to talk to uh, Scott Jagow, who is the editor-in-chief at the Pollock Report. He's got quite an interesting uh, background as an NBC News producer. Uh, he lived in Los Angeles. Uh, now he's back in the uh, tri-state area in Cincinnati. And uh, I want to find out about his involvement in racing and uh, some of the new uh, developments of the Pollock Report, how it's kind of evolved over the last couple of years. He's obviously a very big part of that. Uh, and Scott also, he's their weekend uh, warrior as far as handicapping is concerned. So we're going to go out on the West Coast for a couple of races, and that'll be the uh, California Derby from Golden Gate. Pretty wide open event with an interesting field. Uh, then we go to the Grade Two La Canada at Santa Anita, and at Gulfstream Park where they had a slew of good races. We're going to look at the Florida Sunshine Millions Classic, and then of course uh, we will uh, review uh, the races that we uh, handicapped last week. Again, a series of races at, at, at Gulfstream and out at Santa Anita. Kentucky Derby points were given out in the sham stakes, and we'll review all of that. Well, uh, before we go any further, do want to remind everybody that uh, 123 Racing Pick 6 is America's newest handicapping contest-style Pick 6 wager. 123 Racing's not like any other Pick 6. It's a $2 Pick 6 with a twist. It's America's most exciting wager by scoring points across six races to scoop up the pool. All you need to do is play at 123bet.com. Easy to remember, winners are guaranteed, and uh, they're guaranteeing $100,000 in payouts 
the 123 Racing Pick 6. Play today at the 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. And don't forget to uh, come on over and join us at Winning Ponies and pick up your easy win forms that might help you with any of the contests uh, that you bet in. Of course, uh, last week uh, we had another great group of winners. Uh, Saturday at Turf Paradise, we had a $1 super that paid over $2,100. Also on Saturday at Santa Anita, a $1 super that paid over $1,700. Uh, earlier in the week at Charlestown, another $1 super paying over $1,700. And uh, there's uh, not many places we don't go at Tampa Bay. It was a $1 a pick five, $2,434. And at Santa Anita last week, we had a $1 super, had this one cold, over $2,700. Get your easy win forms with us at Betting Ponies. Well, here's some late-breaking news. The Kentucky investigation has cleared Steve Asmussen of allegations of horse abuse brought about by the animal rights group People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. The investigation found no evidence of rule violations by the Eclipse Award-winning Asmussen or his assistant, Scott Blossie, of course, the allegations were brought about by PETA, which had an undercover member working for the Asmussen stable back in 2013. You may remember the video that was released in March of 2014. But uh, what they're saying is is that the uh, Racing Commission, on the contrary, the investigation revealed that Asmussen-trained horses were well cared for as measured by such factors as incidents of injuries and the Kentucky veterinarian scratches. They said that in a statement read by its chairman, Bob Beck, at a meeting just today. The stewards concluded that the allegations do not support any administrative action because no evidence of rules violation was found. So for those of you that presumed him guilty before he had his day in court, he's had his day in court, late-breaking news, no allegations or charges will be brought up against Steve Asmussen. Also, uh, good news out of Kentucky is that uh, the record is in, and they had a record low for fatal breakdowns in Kentucky last season, the lowest number since the state began tracking the stats back in 2007. Uh, They only had 16 fatal breakdowns, which was down 30% from 2013 and down 65% when you go all the way back to 2007. Uh, the state registered its lowest rate of catastrophic breakdowns, uh, and uh, that is really good news. And basically they say that it's a, it was a collaborative effort that the horsemen, the owners, the vets, the blacksmiths, the racetracks, the commission, everybody working together uh, instead of uh, people just focusing on one thing. It's the surface. It's medication. It's the breeding. Uh, Different people fixate on one thing, but the reality is it's a multifaceted event, and as long as you address the uh, situation at all of those levels, uh, you're going to get significant change. So good news out of Kentucky. Of course, we're closing in on it, folks. Two days away from the 44th Annual Eclipse Awards this Saturday uh, down at Gulfstream Park. It's going to air from 8 to 11 on HRTV. 
And also, I believe that DRF, which is one of the presenters, will also be airing it. So you'll have uh, two outlets in which you can get the late-breaking news and this uh, time of the year when all the awards uh, are going out across the, the, the networks. Of course, we already announced our Eclipse Award finalist, and there's going to be great debate for Horse of the Year between uh, Barron, California Chrome, and Maiden Sequence. And uh, you, if you're on the Internet, you still see all the, uh, the debates between uh, Barron, California Chrome, Shared Belief as the top three-year-old. It'll be very interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Well, big weekend. Javier Castellano, he's named our Jockey of the Week. He won 11 races, including Gulfstream Parks, Fort Lauderdale, a grade two race, and uh, just a a fantastic guy. Uh, He rode three winners on Sunday, posted 11 wins, eight seconds and seven-thirds, and 41 starts over the week, earning over $398,000. So congratulations to to Javier. Uh, Of course, uh, he, he goes all the way back to 2004 when he, he won the Breeders' Cup Classic with Hall of the Year Ghost Sapper. Uh, he started out in Venezuela back in 1996, moved to the U.S. in 1997, basically riding on the South Florida circuit, and then came up to New York, and he's stamped his way ever since then. In 2014, he won his first Eclipse Award as top jockey of 2013. So congratulations to him. Uh, for those of you on the East Coast, it's, the word is out that Atlantic City is going to close permanently. Remember, it opened up back in 1946 with a star-studded group of investors that included Frank Sinatra, Bob Hope, Harry James, Sammy Kay, and Xavier Cugat. And with the advent of casino gambling in the 70s, only about 12 miles away, it really hurt the tracks business. And it ran its last full meet in 1998, uh, at the time the track was owned by Robert Levy, whose father, Leon Levy, was one of the original investors. Now, words are that a group from Monmouth are looking at potentially buying the track. Well, we were just name-dropped Bayern. Looks like he might have a little spit of a setback, we just found out, uh, because he's got a quarter crack. He missed a scheduled workout on Saturday. Uh, he's been dealing with this troublesome hind foot which uh, actually began shortly after the Classic. And they patched it, and now they've got rain, so they're just going to have to be patient. Uh, Of course, Bayern won the controversial Breeders' Cup Classic, and uh, we do hope that all is well with his foot issues, and it'll be interesting to see if he takes home a trophy. Uh, Here's some late-breaking news. Uh, Promise Me Silver... Uh, who was a short price in the Dixie Bell. Remember we announced the opening of Oaklawn? Well, after a week of freezing temperatures that canceled Oaklawn's opening weekend, the track launched its 111th season today. And the forecast looks like they're going to go. Oaklawn set for a 54-day meet. And uh, don't forget they'll all have the... Uh, Grade 1 Arkansas Derby on on closing day. But Promise Me Silver won the Dixie Bell, and Promise Me Silver is now perfect. 5-4-5. They say 10,250 people showed up, even though it's still a little bit of chilly there. And uh, Promise Me Silver, big heavy favorite, paid $3.20, rallied to win the Dixie Bell. Also today, guess who made his return successfully? Ride on Curlin. 
uh, raced in the second flight early in the ninth race, advanced steadily with John Corder board, and got the win. So he is back, and that's good to hear. Now, uh, again, let's take a look at some of the races what we last looked at. The Sham, again, Kentucky Derby points. How good is American Pharaoh? Most people say he'll probably get two-year-old of the year. Well, the horse that had been running behind him, Calculator, went off a heavy favorite in there and uh, won at odds on. He was fifth early, parked five wide, three wide on the final turn, and just pulled away to win by four and a quarter lengths. He's trained by Pete Miller, Elvis Trujillo in the saddle. Calculator, remember that name. Second in the race was Rock Shandy, who is a well ahead of Pioneer of the West. Again, that was the grade three sham stakes at Santa Anita. And again, then we went down to Gulfstream Park, our handicapper, John McDoolan. We pretty much nailed this, but boy, you didn't make a whole lot of money on the horses we liked. Uh, Leah, who had won this race last year, came back after another layoff. Bill Mott, the trainer. Leah now six years old, and you know Mott, very patient, just settled off the leaders, waited for racing room. Uh, uh, Joel Rosario was in the saddle angled out and got up by a half a length over Confrontation, who uh, rallied and had the lead but was caught by Lee. Prayer for Relief was third in that race. Then the, the Marshuas River, which was a grade three race. We nailed this one. It was Paranda, no surprise, the big class of the race, paid only 440. Johnny V in the saddle, won with authority by three lengths easily. Again, that was the Marshuas River. Second, 20 to one shot Skylander Girl. Third, 20 to one shot Y Catherine. Hope you had the horse we liked on top of a couple long shots. You cashed a decent ticket. And then we closed it out with the grade two Fort Lauderdale. And again, we nailed this one, paid 580, no big deal, but hey. Just bet bigger. Uh, Javier Castellano, a beautiful ride after being bumped at the start, settled off the leaders, uh, finished with a late surge, and got up by a neck over Grand Tito, who was rallying at that time. Fredericksburg, long shot at 46-1, to rounded out the Fort Lauderdale. All right, that's a look at last week's action. Up next, the new voice of the world's most iconic race, Travis Stone will be with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we... We cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing... 
the one, two, three racing pick six. America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love one, two, three racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at one, two, three bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, uh, the envelope, please, in this award-winning time of the year. And the winner is Travis Stone, who has inherited the job as the voice of the Kentucky Derby and all of Churchill Downs races. Uh, He grew up in upstate New York, and uh, like this guy, spent his summers at Saratoga Racecourse, uh, started out uh, admiring certain announcers that I'm going to get to to ask him about that and um, began uh, calling, I believe, at Louisiana Downs, where a, fr- a friend of mine, Jason Bean, is going to be taking over the, the seat there. Uh, but he's been uh, to several tracks uh, and-, and has risen up in the ranks in what is very unique fraternity, and that is that of a professional race caller in thoroughbred racing. Travis Stone, welcome to Winning Ponies. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Well, uh, as a fellow upstate New Yorker, I, I can uh, relate to your early exposure uh, to, to Saratoga. Kind of tell our audience a little bit about uh, your first exposure to racing and, and, and how you got the bug. Sure. I, uh, like you said, upstate New York, probably about 50, 55 minutes north of Saratoga. My dad was a racing fan because his dad was a racing fan, and so we as a family used to take many a trips to Saratoga. And uh, I just I just caught the bug. I totally, for whatever reason, I just fell in love with horse racing and was one of those kids where I'd go to the races or I'd go to a basketball game or whatever and come home and uh, play the game, you know, play basketball, play horse racing. And as I was playing, you know, quote, playing horse racing, I would call the race. And I realized that I enjoyed doing that and started paying attention more to race callers, became captivated with them. And next thing you know, I'm writing letters to folks like Tom Durkin asking what to do. And when I got a letter back from him, I was on my way. So I went to school for communications. And a couple months after school, I was offered the job at Louisiana Downs. It's pretty fun. Uh, you, you had to be absolutely uh, jaw-dropping when that piece of mail came to you because a, a lot of us have tried to contact people over the years thinking, eh, he's going to read this or he's not or he'll respond or he won't. Probably thinking they won't, but what was that like the day you opened up the letter from Durkin? 
uh, was funny. I remember coming home from school, I believe, or somewhere. I'd come home from somewhere, and my dad said, there's a letter for you on the counter. And I just knew it was him because it was the only letter that could possibly be coming from the New York Racing Association. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. I mean, had he not wrote me back, who knows what I would have done? You know, who knows if I would have stayed interested in race calling and where I would have ended up. So without a doubt, not only was a big influence from being a race caller himself and being a race caller in New York where I grew up, but also, I mean, this letter was huge. I still have it, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. That, that's something you do, you do not want, want to throw away. Well, uh, uh, I, I've had the chance to call races not really because I wanted to, but just because track announcers have been stuck on elevators or for some reason couldn't get to the track in time. Uh, so I, I can tell the people out there how difficult your job is. I mean, it, it, let's face it, anybody that turns on that microphone and calls a race it, it is going to make a mistake. And uh, it just kills me when I'm, I'm out in the grandstand somewhere, an announcer from any place might uh, you know, mix up a horse or something like that. And they're like, oh, geez, this guy. And I know when I worked with Kevin Gomer years ago at River Downs, the first thing he'd say is, hey, come on upstairs. Come on. It's a real easy job. Come on up. And uh, he would challenge anybody that would say that that's an easy job to come up. Uh, I'm not sure if our listeners understand just how difficult it is because not only do you have to memorize, but then you have to erase. Yeah, it's funny. People come up to the booth and they'll watch a race and you know, the race will go off, it'll finish, and they'll say, who won that race? And, and I can always inevitably say, you know, I don't know. I don't remember because as soon as they cross the wire, it's gone. I mean, it's out of my memory. And, you know, I was talking to a couple other announcers about this this summer, actually. And the same thing applies in real life. If, if you know, somebody were to come visit and I shake their hand, hi, my name is Steve. Within 30 seconds, I forget their name. It's kind of embarrassing. But I think it's all because it's just a trained short-term memory. Uh, <laughs> you know, you cram them in there for that six, seven, eight minutes around the track. You call them, and then you, you got to get them out. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I can totally relate to, the, to all that. And then, you know, the other thing, too, is, is the day wears on, it gets harder and harder to memorize because your brain becomes mush, you know. It's just a lot of in and out all day long. So it's definitely challenging. Um, and, yeah, I'm, yeah, if I were to meet somebody right now, three minutes from now, I'm, I'm very likely to forget their name. That's sort of the side effect of the job, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, and that's what I've learned is that you've got, you've, you've got to erase it. Now, um it's not an easy process. I know a lot of people would tape races, watch them on TV, turn the volume down, and, and try to call. Uh, Kevin would always invite people up uh, and tell them to bring the binoculars and bring a tape recorder back in the day. And uh, what, was, what was kind of the process you went through in learning? Uh, it was tough for me because growing up at Saratoga, which is obviously – the most popular track in the country in terms of attendance. There's people there every single day. There's no empty area of the grandstand. You can go and call races to yourself and do a tape recorder. So I was sort of stuck having to learn on my own. And so I improvised. I would race matchbox cars. I'd race, uh, you know, toy horses when I was really young. And I got a little bit older. I had a bag of marbles. I'd roll them down a ramp and call them marbles rolling down the floor. <laughs> Uh, and then right around, you know, the mid to late 90s, computers became a little more popular. We had a computer and we had a horse racing game on there and I would call the horse racing game. And that was probably where I really sort of home quote the craft of calling races, if you could call that when it's a computer game. But it would allow me to 
figure out, you know, a little bit of style, a little bit of how you bring some words to the race call. And it was more than just, uh, you know, calling toys, a little bit more realistic, if you will. Well, and then, that, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that next step from there, um, that first time that you click on a microphone, when you're looking out over a dirt oval, that apple goes in your throat. What, what was the first place that you actually called a race at, and what was your feeling? I had called a couple of, uh, quote, races on the roof at Saratoga when I worked there for a couple of summers during college. And then that next winter, uh, Larry Colmus invited me out to Suffolk Downs, and he was calling at Suffolk, and he said, you know, come call a couple of races. And so my first race call was at Suffolk Downs in January. I don't remember the year now. I want to say probably 2003, 2004. Uh, he was standing right there, and it went absolutely fine. And that was pretty exciting. You know, it was obviously very exhilarating and nerve-wracking and exciting and everything in between. Um, so that was my first one. And I had only called two races on the mic when I got the job at Louisiana Downs. And when I went to Louisiana Downs and was calling, obviously you're nervous for the first race. But I had called so many, quote, races, whether it be off the TV, off the computer games, whatever it was. Um, it, it, it didn't feel, it wasn't never natural, but I felt at home. I, I just felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. And it never made me feel like you know, there was never that one touch of anxiety where you feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I always felt like it was where I was supposed to be. And, uh, eventually as I, you know, kept going with it, the nerves would wear off and get more and more comfortable. Well, I, I, I've listened to your calls and, you know, of course, all of us up in the press box, you know, when we saw the kind of, when, when the job came open, people were saying, you know, who do you like? I have to admit, you were right there at the top of my list because I really admire your development o- o- over the years. My question is this, and a lot of guys wonder this, what was kind of the vetting experience from the officials at Churchill? It had to be more than just you sending in uh, some tapes. Uh, what, you know, that's a good question. I never really asked him any of the particulars. I, I don't, you know, I think when you get to Churchill's level, you know, some of the guys out there. So, you know, who you have your eye on, you know, some of the options, you know, who some of the, uh, the announcers you'd want to have are. And, and I think with the ability of YouTube and the internet, it's pretty easy to scoop up some video here or there and, you know, send it around the office and get feedback and get some thoughts and, um, so, you know, I don't, I'm not privy to how the actual process went. You know, I talked to a couple of the guys on the phone, went and met them pretty standard for, you know, almost any job. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Well, see, you know, I, I guess, uh, what I was wondering is, is because, you know, Churchill, uh, carries, cares so much about their brand is that while you are the race caller, you are also the voice and you were also a representative of the track. And I didn't know if when they called, if they called you in and talked to you personally to kind of learn a little bit about your style, the way you carry yourself, your personality, did that enter into it at all? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, it was, um, you know, I sat down with Kevin Flannery, the president there. We had a great conversation talking about Churchill Downs in the future and, and the role of the announcer and, and the role that Churchill Downs plays in that community. And I always knew that it played a big role, but it, 
it was it was exciting for me to hear that. And he made this comment. He says, you know, you'll go to the grocery store and someone will recognize you. And not that I ever would want to be a, quote, celeb status, so to speak. But it would be more about being able to share my passion for horse racing with a community that also has a passion for horse racing. That's really exciting. And, and I think that's probably where the synergy really was. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I love to call races, and, I could, and hopefully I can call races for a long time. But deeper than that is I love horse racing and obviously want to see it succeed and, and prosper into the future. And if I can help in that with any way, even if it's race calling and beyond, whether it be, you know, helping the community learn how to handicap or, you know, bringing new fans to the game or anything in between, that would be pretty exciting. Well, you know, I really think that that's part of the energy they were looking for. Uh, because uh, it, it is such an important role. And I think what's great is you only being 30 years old. Uh, do you realize, Travis, that you could be there for literally decades? Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully I make a <laughs> decade and my voice doesn't give out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting, actually. You know, I mean, you think about it. Uh, Churchill Downs, Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Oaks. Uh, right in the heart of horse country, it's it's a it's a humbling and exciting and and all of the above. Well, uh, I'll tell you what you you will be welcomed into the community. You're not far from where I am. So I'll I'll come down definitely and, and visit you. But uh, a question that has to be asked: um, the in the back of your mind when you go to sleep at night, is there any anxiety about holy crap? I'm going to call the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know, I th- I think about it often. Um, I also try and be strategic about it, and uh, I guess maybe there would be practical and try and focus on sort of the technicalities of calling a race like the Derby um, and not getting too caught up in the emotions, which is easy to do on January 15th. Fast forward four months from now, we'll see how I feel. Uh, and, and there will certainly be some trepidation. There will certainly be some anxiety. Um but, you know, I, I, my focus will be to just distill the race down and, and try and remember that you're calling a horse race. It's called thousands of horse races before, and, and uh, it's the horse race of horse races, though. So <laughs> that's always in the back of the mind. It is. Well, get ready for that question because you're only going to hear it about 100 times the week before the Derby. I'll be ready for it. Looking forward to it. All right, Travis, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. I want to thank you so much for being with us on Winning Ponies, and I wish you the best of the luck in a very, very long future down there in Louisville. I appreciate it, and we'll see you this spring. Thank you much. Yes, you will. All right, Travis Stone was with us. Coming up next, Scott Jagow from the Pollock Report. We're going to find about his involvement in horse racing, what's going on with the development of the Pollock Report, and question him about the Eclipse Debate Show is airing right now. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the one two three Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love one two three Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is award-winning journalist Scott Jagow, who right now is the editor-in-chief of uh, Thoroughbred Racing's Pollock Report. Now, he did spend his early years uh, with a career in broadcasting. Uh, he uh, was uh, an anchor, reporter on local radio and TV, and then an NBC news producer, and uh, host of the popular radio show Marketplace on NPR, a station I listen to very often, quite frankly. And then um, out on the West Coast, he fell in love with horse racing, going to Hollywood Park in Santa Anita. But uh, I wanted him to tell the story. Uh, he found his way to Louisville, uh, coming out of the equine industry program before signing on at the Pollock Report. And uh, he lives down in the Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio, with his wife, Megan. Scott, welcome to Winning Ponies. Uh, thanks so much, John. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, I always like uh, rewinding time and, and finding out how someone uh, first uh, found their uh, passion for thoroughbred racing. So all of this uh, anchor, reporter, local radio and TV, was that all West Coast stuff? Uh, no, I worked in Charlotte, North Carolina for a while. Uh, I went I went to Chapel Hill for college and did some radio there did some television in North Carolina and uh, got a job with NBC News as a producer. And then eventually I did move out to California to take the job with Marketplace, the business show on NPR, and and I did that for several years. But while I was out there, I decided to go to the track one day, and uh, you've probably heard this story before, but I hit a trifecta for about $400, and and so I thought, where has this been my my whole life? <laughs> Of course, then I realized it wasn't so easy, and I decided to uh, pour myself into the books. I, I got every book I could find on horse racing and studied the game and the history, and I just got more into it and decided eventually, you know what, I think I'm going to make a career out of this. Well, it's one thing to say, I think I'll make a career out of it, and then to actually do it. So take us through the steps uh, that uh, got Scott Jagow uh, 
as far as he is now, I, I read you every day on the Pollock Report. It's kind of my, uh, my radio cheat sheet. Well, I uh, found this equine industry program at the University of Louisville, which sounded perfect because it was a one-year program. I figured it was an opportunity to meet people and learn about the business, and it was fantastic. I got a, I got a great education, and while I was there, the, uh, Ray Pollock, founder of the Pollock Report, was looking for someone to help out on the weekends, and when he saw you know, my resume and what I had done in journalism, it was a perfect fit, and the rest is history. I, I, after I graduated, I became editor-in-chief. Well, I, I must say, like I said, it, it's my cheat sheet. You know, I wouldn't have got through high school without looking at Mark Rodlowski's papers, and I wouldn't get through this radio show without pulling you guys up every day. You come right into my mailbox. Um, as far as uh, uh, you talked about your partnership with Ray Pollock, the, the development of, of the Pollock Report, it really seems to uh, be a seed uh, that has grown, and again, now you're kind of mm-hmm. entering into the, p- partially the video world of it. Um, what's it like being the editor chief and what is, is, was your input into the growth of the Pollock report? Well, I think one thing that I, that I helped with is the video side because I have the broadcasting background. Uh, but you know, Ray has done a tremendous job growing this website. It's, it's, I can't believe it's almost seven years old now. It started in 2008 and you know, the first few months, the first year, it was really dicey whether he was going to make it or not, and he stuck with it, and the the, the website has developed and become very popular within the industry. Our our readership has grown year after year, and I I think one of the strengths of the website is that we're not afraid to take on some of the tough issues in the industry, uh, the controversy and that kind of thing, and that, that attracts people, but but we've, we've added staff like Natalie Voss, who's an excellent writer. Yes. We have a new weekend person. We have an advertising person. And Jen Royce, uh, is, who used to work at Three Chimneys, is writing Correct. things for us. So we've really broadened our scope. And I think we're in a good place. You are in a good place. And all those people that you just name-dropped, uh, I've known through through the industry and is certainly uh, – watch their careers develop and read their writing. They're fantastic in their own right. But I have to ask you, as editor-in-chief, you get up like at 5 in the morning because I wake up every day, boom, the Pollock Report's there. I know that I'm going to get probably six or seven of the top stories that are out there from all different aspects of racing. So explain to me your role and how you decide what's going to make the Pollock Report every day. Well, we have somebody who works in the mornings and then into the afternoon who, who, who looks for stories that are out there. Natalie Voss comes in later in the afternoon, and, and she does the same kind of thing. And I'm kind of overseeing the whole process. At, at meantime, we're also producing a lot of original content, which is the bread and butter, I guess, of our website. We've got features each day, each week. And so I'm, you know, in charge of all of that, in charge of the video production and coming up with new ideas for, for new ways to cover the industry. 
Well, speaking of one of the new ideas, it, it just uh, popped up a couple weeks ago, and that's the Eclipse Debate Show, which I'm really enjoying, uh, between you and Ray. Uh, just so I can tell our listeners, of course, they can go back and, and find it. Uh, we were looking at, you know, who's the best sophomore, uh, respecting your elders, no love for the little guy, where are the fans. Uh, what's kind of nice is you don't repeat yourself all the time. It's like you kind of hit different uh, you know, subject matters, and it's kind of fun watching uh, you and Ray go back and forth. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, we, we give each other a hard time behind the scenes, so we figured we should probably do it on the website, too. And I, we thought it would be a fun thing to debate some of the categories and issues around the Eclipse Awards. And Bullet Train, who had sponsored a series for us last year uh, that I produced a video series, looking back at some of the intriguing Horse of the Year debates over the decade. Uh, they wanted to do something different this year, and so this is what we came up with, and we're having fun with it. Tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to be debating the horse of the year. Yes, uh, yes, I have that in my notes right now. And I'm going to guess, correct me if I'm wrong, that this is probably going to morph maybe into the Road to the Triple Crown uh, t- type series where you two guys may go back and forth on your opinions. Yeah, we're actually thinking uh, we'll probably make this a regular feature. I don't know if you remember that Ray was on uh, Blinkers on, uh, sorry, Blinkers off on TVG uh, quite often, and people really responded to that. So I think we're going to do something that will capitalize on on those strengths. Well, and it's fun. I want to tell my listeners it's not like a 12-minute thing that you got to sit down. You, you, you guys collapse anywhere between like three and five minutes, uh, but it moves, it goes. It's just two guys talking, horse races, and, and both of your opinion, opinionated, and quite frankly, I respect both of your opinions. So uh, the, the format that you've laid out is good, and obviously uh, you have the mind of the uh, uh, type of person that's on the Internet now going, look, I don't need, you know, war and peace. Get to it, give it to me, and let me enjoy it. Yeah, video has is, is become so popular on the web, and you got to go short because people's attention spans, you know how they are. And I, it just, just, we're just adding new content that is interesting, that's what we're about, that's what we're trying to do. Well, another thing you do, in, in addition to providing a, a great news outlet, is you got your express bet weekend, and I know that uh, somewhere along the line after hitting that big $400 trifecta, you became enamored with handicapping. So I'm going to put your feet to the fire here and, and ask you to take a couple of uh, races that are coming up this weekend, and let's take a look at them. Uh, the first one I find most intriguing, uh, which is the California Derby. Now, it's not graded. It's $100,000, but you got to know that Anybody that puts in a solid race up at Golden Gate Fields in this race is probably going to find their way, you know, going down and trying to hunt the bigger races on the the Derby Trail. It brings together Mm -hmm. an interesting field. You have all the horses coming out of the Gold Rush Stakes. Jerry Hollendorfer is trying to figure out who his biggest horse is. He's got three of them in here. Um... And uh, a guy I admire very, very much, who's really made his mark in the world uh, over the last few years, is, is Wesley Ward has a has a horse in here. So, with that 
broad brush painted. Uh, how did you see uh, this race, the California Derby, a mile on the 16th at Golden Gate Fields coming up? Well, I think uh, the, I think Soul Driver, the the favorite, the Jeff Mullen horse, is a play against simply because Mullen is 0 for his last 10 in turf to synthetic runners, and we have no idea whether Soul Driver will even like the Tapita at Golden Gate Fields. Yes, I prefer Stand and Salute. Uh, it's Russell Bays and Jerry Hollendorfer at Golden Gate. You know that's dangerous. Uh, the horse is coming off two victories over the surface after he stretched out from sprints. This isn't that much further than a mile. I think he'll be really tough to hold off late. And the one horse that probably is the danger late is, is Broughton Kitten, the, the Wesley Ward horse, who needs some pace, but he got awfully close to stand and salute in that stakes race last month. So he's, they'll all be looking for him late. Well, uh, let's just say... Somewhat great minds <laughs> think alike because the the two horses that I have in here, if I'm going to go and you're going to give me money to box and exact, it's going to be Broughton Kitten and, and Stan and Salute. Of course, uh, Russell Bays, who just dominates out there, wins one out of every four races, uh, gets the call on Stan and Salute, trained by um, Ohio bred Jerry Hollendorfer. And uh, the, the horse just has really just seemed to blossom in only its first four races and, and has the experience of a win over this strip. I don't think distance is going to be a question, being a grandson of AP Indy, early fall, a February fall. But, but Broughton Kitten, you know, take a look at, at, at his trail there. Starts out at Indiana Downs where it breaks his maiden with Rosie up, uh, then tries the turf at Churchill, and goes out there, runs in the gold rush, and just missed, which tells me that uh, he, even though he's a uh, kitten's joy, who we know favor the greens word, uh, like the synthetic track, uh, the Eddie Logan got shuffled way, way back after being back, uh, uh, shuffled back, ended up running fourth. Uh, it's a big closer, and some of these horses, um, I'm not sure if the race is going to set up perfectly for him, but I really think it comes down to Stan and Salute and Brout and Kitten, so I'm pretty much in step with you, Scott. Yeah, and, and don't don't forget about Cross the Line. That's the other Hollendorfer, or one of the other Hollendorfers. Well, we don't know what kind of horse this is. Uh, Gate-to-wire victory when stretching out last time over this track. The pace was kind of slow, so that doesn't flatter him that much, but it's worth a look. It's definitely worth a look. Well, we are uh, visiting with uh, Scott J. Gow of uh, the Pollock Report right now. We're going to uh, sell a couple uh, commercials here. When we come back, we're going to go to Santa Anita and Gulfstream Park. Thanks for listening to us here on Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the 123 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 123 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me, award-winning journalist Scott J. Gow, who's the editor-in-chief of Thoroughbred Racing's Pollock Report. And as uh, we spoke earlier, we are talking about the development of the Pollock Report. He's a big part of it. And I understand you guys are looking into a kind of a new new segment to add uh, and enhance the Pollock Report. Yeah, within the next week or so, we're going to add a new section devoted to horse players. And I think it's pretty exciting. It, it'll be a way f- for horse players to connect to all the information that's out there you know, carryovers and that kind of thing, but also some selections and then issues in the horse player world. So uh, suggestions on ways to, or strategies to use uh, when picking the races and that kind of thing. So I think, I think it'll be popular because uh, a good percentage of our readership, our horse players, according to a recent survey we did, Yes, and I took that survey, as a matter of fact. Now, my question is this. Is is it going to come up on the Pollock Report as an extra thing that you would click on, or is this going to be a standalone for those people that have signed up for the Pollock Report? It'll be on when you go to the front page of the Pollock Report, it will be one of the sections that you see. Okay. Well, uh, again, if uh, you're not signed on... Uh, I'm talking to our listeners right now. It is just a fabulous site uh, because they they scour the universe uh, for uh, the top stories in thoroughbred racing. Uh, It's concise. It's to the point. But right away, you get updated on what is going on in the world of horse racing through the Pollock Report. And it sounds like now we're going to have a whole other dimension. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, let's see. Now, my question, you talked about handicapping, and we're going to handicap uh, two races, the Sunshine Millions Classic, just part of the big program down at Gulfstream Park, and the La Canada. Um, Scott, how would you describe your style of capping if there is one? You know, I don't, I, I don't have a set thing that is, works for me necessarily. I do it on a case-by-case basis, and maybe that's not the best way to do it. It's worked for me. 
I find that in certain situations, taste is the most important thing. And then class in a different situation is the most important thing. So I, 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 de- I do identify that right away when I'm looking at a race. And then I will employ that strategy, but I wouldn't say I have an overall thing that I do every time. Well, I guess that's a mantra of many, many horse players. You know, people look at turf races, maiden races, uh, the, you know, whether you're betting Mahoning Valley or, or Santa Anita, the scenario changes and the way that you look at the landscape of a race <laughs> certainly changes too. Yeah, I do like turf racing. I, I just tend to do better in the grass races. Uh, I like the big fields that you get with the grass races as well. I like maiden turf races uh, when you can look at the pedigrees. So, and I also like trainer angles. I really, really like to use trainer angles. Absolutely. And, again, that's one of the reasons why I kind of like Wesley Ward and that race out there on the West Coast last week. Well, yeah. uh Mark Cassie's always been uh, a trainer that uh, has been on my radar, and he's going to be running Lexi Lou in the La Canada, grade two out at Santa Anita, a mile and a 16th. He kind of ventured uh, out of his safety zone and tried the boys the last time, and Lexi Lou ended up racing behind a horse by the name of California Chrome. Can they beat this four-year-old filly in the Canada? I think they can. I don't like the fact that she's trying dirt for the first time in 16 starts. She's had 16 starts, and this is the first time she's trying dirt. But we don't know whether she'll like it getting kicked in her face. That's a big deal. She's been training well over the dirt, but so was Conquest Harlanate. When she made her first start for Cassie on dirt a couple weeks ago, and she was eased out of the San Inez, because she hated the dirt. So at 6-5, to five, I got to play against her. I think Sam's sister looks really well-meant, and Hollendorfer has been pointing for this race. Uh, she's, stretch, she's stretching out after she won at seven furlongs in the La Brea. It is her first start around two turns, but there is speed in here, and I think she can sit right behind it, and she'll get a nice stalking trip. Uh, mystery horse in here for me, I want to get your input, is JoJo Warrior. I think if you put a line through this filly's last race, she's a Baffert horse that's been in against uh, graded uh, horses and has experience at the distance. Your read on JoJo Warrior. Yeah, Baffert's horses usually don't throw back-to-back clunkers. (laughs) Uh, But he is off to a slow start at the Santa Anita meet so far. He's only at 7% right now. So I don't know what's going on there. And she could be challenged on the front end in this race. I wouldn't toss her, but I think she's going to be up against it. Well, it'll be very interesting. I just, uh, anytime there's a Hall of Fame trainer in there, whether it be D. Wayne Lucas, uh, Pletcher, Nick Zito, I, I always have to give those horses an extra look. And, uh, uh, again, uh, the horses I had checked off, in addition to JoJo's Warrior, were Sam's sister. Um, you know, coming out of uh, this, just seems to be a horse that's r- really on the edge of becoming big time. I mean, five starts, four wins, and the only one it lost it, it may have lost at the gate when it hopped at the start, and uh, probably was hustled up a little bit in weekend. Uh, yeah, Sam's sister could be an upsetter, but. Man, Lexi Lou just looks like she's got so much class behind her. Again, 
you're pointing out the fact that she's probably uh, better on the grass than she is in the main track carries a lot of weight. It'll be a very interesting race. Again, that'll be the eighth race on Saturday, the La Canada. Well, let's go all the way, about as far as way as you can get from Santa Anita, down to Gulfstream Park where they're going to have a, a series of really good races. I picked the one with the biggest pot, quarter million dollars up for the Florida Sunshine Millions Classic. It's a short, but it's a contentious field. Uh, the way I see this is... It, 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 it looks like a knockout fight between East Hall and Wildcat Red, but while those two are fighting, Catholic Cowboy could sneak up and grab them both. I, I agree. I love that his best two races have come at this distance of one and an eighth miles, including a victory last out against 13 rivals with his career best fire speed figure. I think he's very dangerous here. I kind of am still siding with East Hall, though. He's coming in such good form. He'll need a bit of a pace setup, but I think he's going to get it. He still has some upside at age four and some class about him. I think he's going to be tough in here. Yeah, I really do. I mean, the, the only – when I first looked at this, it was like, oh, man, this East Hall is just peaking at the right time. He's he's going to be tough to beat. Uh, Luis Sayez has – switched and you know they just look like a perfect match but something that's not taken into account much anymore but at a mile and an eighth could make a difference is there's going to be a six pound weight switch versus wildcat red so wildcat red who loves gulfstream park is going to be dropping three east hall is going to be picking up three do you see that as any part of the factor yeah with with weight if, if it's not a significant amount I, I usually don't take it much into consideration, to be honest. Well, it will be interesting to see. Well, we, we've been talking with Scott, Scott and Jay Gow, and uh, the, the Pollock Report, again, every day when I turn my computer on, it's the first thing I, I, I click on. You guys do an outstanding job. I want to thank you so much for being with us on Winning Ponies today, and all I can say is keep up the good work. John, I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure to be on the show, and, and the same to you. All right. Well, I don't think it'll be the last time. I want to thank Scott. I also want to thank Travis Stone, the new voice of the Kentucky Derby, who joined us tonight on Winning Ponies. Well, that's pretty much it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to us. I'm sitting up here in the press box overlooking the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you go to the races... Bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.